0: Do you battle the fear of rejection? Many do, but you should know fear of rejection is only a symptom of some hidden spiritual and scientific roots. I'm gonna reveal those roots so that you can heal those roots to finally get past the hurt and stop the fear of rejection. This is the Shut Up, Devil Show. And I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book, Shut Up Devil, creator of the app, Shut Up Devil. And I'm all about shutting down the lies and struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life. And I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience. So I'd love for you to join me live sometime on Thursdays at 8 p.m. central at kylewinkler.org live. If I ask for a show of thumbs up, on who's ever been rejected. It would be unanimous. We've all been rejected. Of course, some people have been rejected more severely than others. In ministry, I'm always, unfortunately, amazed at what some people have gone through. Some of you share some things with me that I'm like, how can anybody treat somebody like that? Or how can anybody go through that kind of stuff? But while any rejection is painful, I don't think we ever get to a point to where we like it. There is a difference between occasional rejection and consistent rejection. The consistent kind is what I faced growing up. If you've read my book, seen me on a broadcast, or been tuning into this podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about my childhood My earliest memories include this feeling that I didn't belong. That created a lot of insecurity in me. I was afraid to talk to people. And because I was afraid to talk, elementary teachers confused it as having a reading problem. So every day, I think, a bus from the public school would come over to the church school that I attended to offer special help for those that they thought couldn't read well. So it was like maybe me and at least three or four others that I remember that would go into this bus. Well, that kind of thing in and of itself separates you in the eyes of your peers in ways they don't understand. And nobody wanted to be friends with a kid who didn't talk. So as you've heard me say plenty before, I was the loner, the outcast, the reject, the one consistently chosen or picked last for teams or groups. And this lasted all the way through my elementary and junior high years. I mean, it was a daily thing. Now I don't tell you all of this to say woe is me because I know some of you have faced far worse. But this day in and day out rejection during my most developmental time in life really messed me up for a while. It created a root in me that in my adult years produced some pretty rotten fruit. Beyond the fear of meeting new people, it caused me to see rejection in places that didn't really exist and to find offense in people's words that they never meant.
1: And really, to hate myself out of the fear of, what does this mean about me? Somewhere along the way, all this consistent rejection
0: caused me to believe the lie that I am a reject. I identified with it, and that lie was behind nearly every other battle I faced, from the mind games to discouragement and any fear and anxiety and all of that. Now, when I became a Christian at 16 years old, and I came to know Jesus as personal and powerful and interested in my life, and I started to learn principles of God's Word, I began making some progress, for sure. But in those days, I kind of just thought everything was the devil. My introverted personality, my weaknesses. I thought I could just cast them out in Jesus' name and introversion go in Jesus' name. And pray for God to heal my rejection wounds and that would be the end of it. And certainly I'm not minimizing prayer in this. My time with God in prayer was monumental
1: for healing. But what I learned over like a decade of working on me is that
0: most often the wounds and the fear we face because of rejection isn't only spiritual, but there's also a scientific component too.
1: It's not only scientific either. There's also a Spiritual
0: component. For me, I found that overcoming these rejection-related wounds was kind of like building muscles. There's an effort that had to be done on my part, but rest is also equally, if actually not more, required than work. So there was some practical work that I had to do on my mind that nobody else could do but me. But then there had to be rest in the Lord and in his truths in order to be healed and to grow. It's not one or the other, it's both working together. Now, I know that there are many of you watching or listening who can relate to things I've just shared. Whether it was childhood rejection from peers or family or rejection in your adult life, maybe from coworkers, romantic interest, I mean you name it. I know that many of you have been trying your hardest to get over it, but just can't. I hear your stories. I get your messages. Some of you have tried only scientific things, psychological things. Some of you have tried only spiritual things. But in the rest of this message, I'm going to expose that the roots of rejection include both. Which is why healing those roots includes a strategy that addresses both. Okay, where do I get the idea that pain and fear of rejection includes both spiritual and scientific roots? Really, it's from how scripture reveals that God made us. To understand the spiritual root, we have to go back to the beginning, back to Genesis. After all the plants and the animals were made, God put his hand to people. First, he made man and named him Adam. And we know that Adam was made in the afternoon because it was just before Eve. That's a joke, by the way. Some of you will get that later, but that's a joke.
1: God made Adam, but
0: then the Lord quickly realized that nothing in nature would provide a satisfying companion to Adam. A banana wouldn't do it. An animal wouldn't do it. He needed someone who could speak his language and understand his experience, so that's where in Genesis 2.18, God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. That's when Eve came. When Eve was formed, Adam resonated so much with another being like him that he exclaimed, at last! bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. So obviously we see by Adam's at last expression that something wasn't satisfied in him until he had a relationship with another person. Now this isn't a verse about marriage so single people you don't have to feel incomplete. Ultimately this is a verse about how we were designed for human connection.
1: God wired us for belonging. So Here's the gist of how this relates to rejection. When
0: we experience rejection, it's painful and detrimental to us because we feel out of God's created order. Like anything that doesn't get what it needs, maybe it doesn't grow correctly or part of it dies or it's just less efficient. That's how we are, whether we like it or not, when we don't get the human connection that we are created for. Yes, spiritually, God is all-sufficient for us. Our acceptance is in Him, but He didn't just make us for Him. He made us to be in relationship with other people. So when we don't feel we get that, that's where we feel off because we're out of the created order. That's the spiritual side of it, kind of in a broad sense. But here's the scientific or psychological root. And again, as I said, it comes down to how God designed us. What we've discovered, or what scientists have discovered, by studying God's design of the mind is that the brain is moldable. It's called plasticity. Think plastic. Some people have more plastic brains than others I've discovered, but plasticity means moldable like plastic is moldable. Okay, that's what I mean by that. The younger we are, the more moldable it is. That's why we learn languages and instruments a whole lot easier when
1: we're younger. Think about this. If you were born into an English-speaking family,
0: you didn't choose to learn English, did you? Did you ever wake up one day when you were young and say, I think I'm going to Start learning English, if, you, if, if that's your first language at least? No. You naturally learned, at least the basics of it,
1: before you ever had a textbook. You naturally learned through your environment. Well, what you learned as a child became so much a part of you, so much a part of your environment,
0: that it shaped your brain that you can't unlearn it. I mean, think about that. What would happen if you tried to forget your first language? Could you do it? Where would you begin? This is the result of how environment and experiences shape the brain, especially in childhood. So what we've learned here is that there's a certain section of the brain that becomes activated when you feel physical pain. That's what science has discovered as well. And again, that's God's designed to stimulate feelings that cause us to stop or leave whatever's hurting us. It's, It's a good design meant to protect us. But the enemy now capitalizes on it in our fallen world, because science has also discovered that this area of the brain that produces pain is the same area that's activated when you experience
1: rejection. Are you tracking with me here? When you get rejected, Your brain responds
0: as if it just experienced physical pain that you need to run from. Add this to the moldable quality of your brain and maybe you can begin to understand why a fear of rejection is eventually created. When you experience rejection occasionally, you feel that pain. It's a natural response. But when it happens over and over and over, it's like learning that language as a child. It shapes your brain so that anything you see, hear, think, or experience, or is even similar to what caused you pain before, your brain says, run from that. Don't go anywhere near that.
1: So we see rejection
0: has both spiritual and scientific roots. That's why we have to approach Both, There are certain rejection healing truths you need to know and there are certain rejection healing ways you need to apply them. That's the science and the spiritual working together. Some of you are going through my e-course Rejecting Rejection and in it we work through all of those things. But that's an eight lesson e-course and you're not going to sit here or listen that long with me right now. So for this message, I'm going to give you the foundational truth to heal the spiritual root and the one thing to do, like the number one thing to do, to heal the scientific or psychological root. As I've been saying, you'll see. They both work hand in hand. The foundational truth that you have
1: to know to heal your spirit And this one was huge for me. It's that God chose you, and He chose you
0: because He loves you. Rejection tells you nobody wants you, nobody likes you, much less loves you. Truth says God does. I tell this story often, but in my journey, there was a moment when I was feeling especially insecure at the beginning of ministry.
1: I mean, fears were raging in me about people accepting me. Would they accept me? Would they not?
0: But in this moment, one morning, I think I was sitting in bed thinking through all of this, if I remember right. At the height of this insecurity, Jesus spoke to me. You know, that's what Jesus does. Like, right in our worst moments, in our most insecure moments, in our moments of shame. He shows up right in those and makes those worst moments the best. I often talk about the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. It's told in John chapter 4. This rejected woman came to that well at noontime in the heat of the day when nobody was around to judge her. But that's right where Jesus was. He was right in the midst of her hiding. And there he spoke things into her that loved her out of her shame so that by the end of the story she was no longer hiding but running out to tell everyone that she once feared about this man that she just met. So I just say to you right now, if you're sitting behind this screen at the height of anything, guilt, shame, fear, Jesus is here to speak to you right right here, right as you're listening. That's what he did to me that morning when he spoke to me. It wasn't audibly,
1: but through the words of Scripture. I was reading John 15, 16.
0: And with everything going on in me in that moment, the words just leapt off the page like never before. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I had heard or read that verse countless times, but this time, It really got into me. Through that one verse, I heard Jesus say, I chose you. It was like a healing salve applied to me. I heard, though others rejected you in the past, I chose you from the beginning. I chose you despite what you think is undesirable about you.
1: I chose you then, and I still choose you today. I loved you then, and I still love you today. Take that truth into you right now. I'm talking to you.
0: You with the past of pain and promiscuity, God chose you. You who felt like your parents never really wanted you, God chose you. You who struggled with disabilities and differences that make you question if you belong, that make you feel as if you're someone who is wrong, God chose you. You who've been told all your life that you don't have what it takes to succeed, God chose you, whoever you are and wherever you are, well before the world began. God
1: loved you and chose you for a good plan. Now, those aren't just my words. They're God's. Right in here. Ephesians 1, 4-5. Even before he made the world,
0: God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. In his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love how some other versions of Scripture put it. It says that we are accepted in the Beloved. He made us accepted in the Beloved. Hear that? Accepted. God calls you accepted in his family. And what God says is more real than what you feel. I could camp out on this point for so long here. But this is the foundational truth that you have to get into you. It's what I had to finally take for myself.
1: God loves you. God chose you. He accepts you. Who you are as you are, right where you are.
0: Now that's the spiritual side of it. That's the truth. you got to get into your spirit.
1: That's what started to heal me. But just knowing about it
0: wasn't going to change the physical way my brain was altered from years of consistent rejection. Here's the scientific strategy, which really isn't modern at all. Scripture actually talks about it. It's the renewal of your mind. If constant rejection has shaped your brain into a pattern where you see or fear things that aren't really there, or you avoid even the possibility of things that might be rejection, then you have to use the truth of God's Word to reprogram your mind to align with truth, to see things differently and think differently. It's just another way of saying what Romans twelve two has said all along. To let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Practically
1: speaking, what this means is that if your brain was shaped by your environment,
0: then you have to create a new environment that reshapes your brain. And now just to be transparent, this takes time. Your brain is still moldable at whatever age, so there's always hope. But it's not as quick as when you learn your first language. You're an adult, you know, the brain doesn't remold as quickly as it did when you were a child. This is why this is a constant work in progress that sometimes you might think, is this even really working? Is anything even really happening? But trust me, if you're diligent, it will begin to reshape your thinking, even when It doesn't feel like it. So here's the gist of it. In Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise.
1: When Paul says fix your thoughts, that's what he means. Fix them. Focus them. Take time to think
0: through and reflect on what the truth means about you on a consistent schedule. If you were rejected consistently, you have to think about God's love and acceptance consistently. The way I teach to do this, what helped me, is what I call the four R's of mind renewal. It's a process to practice every day. I explore it in my Shut Up Devil book. I shared the process a couple weeks ago when I was on TV. The first R is read. Find a scripture related to rejection. The truth I just gave you from Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 is a great one. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault
1: in his eyes. So you simply read that. Step two, second R. Reflect. This is where you spend the most of your time. Reflect internally about what that scripture means.
0: What does it mean about me? What does it mean about God and his character? What does this mean for my situation today? I mean, really internalize it. It's a meditation process, really. Step three, rephrase. This is where you make it personal. Consistent rejection gives people an identity. That's what it did for me caused me to believe I am a reject. And that later affected how I walked, how I talked, how I lived. Well, you have to reject that identity by declaring a new identity, a new I am, based on the truth that you're reflecting on. So in this case, based on that truth and based on your reflections, I might say I am loved, I am chosen.
1: I am accepted. God included me in his family. And don't just think it, speak it. Experiences are what mold the mind the most.
0: And speaking makes the truth experiential so that it really gets into your mind and begins to change it. Like I talk about in my Shut Up Devil book in the chapter, The Mind and the Mouth Connection. God has created your mind and your mouth to work in a partnership so that they both actually change each other. Your mouth can help change your mind and your mind helps change your mouth. And then it trickles down to the rest of you. Okay. Last step to reprogram your mind. This is the fourth R in mind renewal. It's repeat. This just means to continue the practice throughout the day, every day, for as long as it takes to realize change in you. Don't make this a burden, but it's just something just to naturally do. You've heard that it takes weeks to build a new habit, right? That's because of the moldability of your brain. You're actually scientifically laying down new pathways. It's neuroscience, it's God's design for the mind. That's why it takes repetitiveness of doing this, going through this reflection process for your brain to shift accordingly, to shift positively. But as you commit to the process, you're gonna to start to think according to the language of God's word.
1: I am accepted. I am loved. I am included. Instead of the language that you learned in the past.
0: And that will affect just about everything else in your life. As I've been saying, how you talk, how you walk, how you relate with others, how you interpret what you see and what other people
1: say, you'll see it according to truth, not lies or paranoia or speculation or
0: fear. That's why I said that the lie that you are a reject is behind so many of the battles you face. But the truth that you are loved and accepted is what will be behind the future victories you have. That's because thinking and speaking that truth will literally
1: change what and how you see according to that truth. Okay, now here's the reality. When you get healed of the fear of rejection, it
0: doesn't mean you'll never experience rejection again. It doesn't mean you won't feel the sting of it. It just means it won't send you back into weeks of mind game, it won't control your life anymore, and you won't see
1: it as much in places where it really isn't. But still, when it happens,
0: when you catch yourself thinking accordingly or fearing, don't sit there and do nothing. Don't let it fester until it starts to influence you and get back into you and redefine you. You have to be defensive. You have to do what's called counter-arguing. I still do this all the time. When someone says something or something happens that calls your mind to a moment of rejection in the past that makes you fear rejection in the future, Maybe you get passed over for the promotion. Maybe you hear somebody say something negative about you. Maybe somebody rejects the dinner plans you invited them to or you didn't get invited to the party or whatever. The natural human tendency
1: is to take it personally.
0: The devil's sure there to try to influence you to take it personally and ask, what's wrong with me? Well, when you realize that it's at that point, when you realize that you're asking those questions, I mean, it's best if, if, if you can kind of train yourself over time with this process not to get to asking those questions. But if you stop it in the middle of asking those questions, whatever, don't let it go any further. This is where you have to counter-argue. Basically, it's doing what the Apostle Paul says to do in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take every thought captive. And you do that by arguing with the thought, you argue with that negative thought. You might say, no, this rejection does not mean anything about me. It does not discount me. It does not change my calling. It doesn't define me. It doesn't mean God's done with me. It doesn't mean I'm not likable or lovable.
1: It doesn't mean I'm not attractive. It doesn't mean whatever. You might also think maybe this rejection is God's
0: protection. You know, i found that that's often the case. We think we know what's best for our lives, but only God knows best. He's the one that sees the end from
1: the beginning. He's the one that knows what's coming up around the corner. He can direct what happens
0: right now in preparation for what he knows is going to be best for you tomorrow. I mean, frequently, it's rejection that keeps us from getting into something or settling for something that wouldn't have worked
1: out so well in the future. Man, do I see this so much in my life. I remember being very hurt when my first book proposal was rejected by the publisher. I
0: had to work so hard on it. It was such a promising opportunity
1: only to get that word that we're going to pass. Well, now looking back, now having written
0: three books, I can say I'm glad it was rejected because the topic I proposed then has nothing to do with where God has me today. I mean, nothing.
1: These three books do. Rejection is often God's protection and his redirection.
0: I'm sure you all can look back into situations or people in your life and see the same. I mean, how many of you prayed so hard for a certain someone? Lord, if you will just make them mine. And in the end, sitting or listening here today, you see why and are very happy that it didn't work out right. Don't we have, don't we all have some story like that? Okay. So when you feel rejected, argue with that rejection. Argue with why it has nothing to do with you, especially if it deals with a person's rejection. I mean, trust me, there are all kinds of reasons why that cliche phrase that we hate is actually true. It's not you, it's me. Here's what I want you to take away from this message. Rejection is real and it hurts. The reasons are because we have a natural, God-given desire to be in connection with people. And our fallen brains react to rejection as if you've just been sucker-punched in the gut. It responds to it as if it's physical pain. For those of you who have been rejected over and over, your brain responds that way even to the possibility of being rejected, and there's where it's not real. That's the fear of rejection. That's imagination. But the truth that heals the hurt, stops the fear, is that you aren't a reject. You aren't an outcast. You are not undesirable. God's word is more real than what you feel. And he says you are loved. You are chosen. You are accepted in the beloved. Keep that truth running through your mind and your mouth. I am loved. I am chosen.
1: I am Accept it. That'll transform you. So may you remember, the God who first loved you and chose you continues to love and choose you every single day.
0: Now, if I didn't tell you how I could help you beyond this message, then I'd be doing you a disservice. In this message, I shared with you the core truth. To heal the roots of rejection, both spiritually and scientifically. And this is a great kickstart. But some of you have been so hurt. And you are so
1: fearful. You see rejection in everything. Or offense in everything. You need to walk through a healing
0: process. That's why I created my Rejecting Rejection e-course. Here's a bit about the course. And then I'll be back. Let me ask you, how would your life change if memories of past rejection no longer hurt? What could you do if you weren't afraid of being rejected in the future? Maybe you think it's not possible, I've dealt with this for so long, but I'm here to tell you it is. If you've read any of my books or heard me speak, you know that the pain and fear of rejection ruled my life for so long, but i found real healing and freedom. And you can too. That's why I created my e-course, Rejecting Rejection. In it, I hold your hand to explore the scientific, psychological, and spiritual roots of your fear of rejection. I show you methods to reprogram your brain to be confident and courageous. We go through spiritual insights, reflections, and applications to heal your rejection-related wounds. And there's so much more. So, what do you say? Are you ready to be unshackled from the fear of rejection? Then join me now. Visit rejectioncourse.com to get started. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up, Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you and we're here for you too. Every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget, wherever you're watching or listening, to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. See you next time.